Hey, this is Matt Redman, and you're listening to the Christian Music Guys podcast. On today's episode, we sit down with Matt Redman. Matt is known for such songs as The Heart of Worship, Blessed Be the Name, and 10,000 Reasons. He recently released a new single called Son of Suffering and is releasing more music this Friday. Welcome back to the Christian Music Guys podcast, the podcast for Christian music fans by Christian music fans. Chris, do you like to go on plane trips? (laughs) Do you like to go on plane trips? Uh, what do you mean? You like to fly. Like, you like, I to, like fly. to fly. Yeah. I, I enjoy flying as long yeah. as the weather is, is nice. Yeah. And you normally get to a destination. Well, like this side of the United States in less than two hours or so. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Usually. Close yeah. To there. Well, well, um, United airlines recently, um, a plane going from Florida to New Jersey out of Tampa. Uh, Monday afternoon, this was last Monday, um, the unexpected appearance of a live snake on a plane. Oh. Passengers were freaking out, obviously. Um, it was a, just a harmless garter snake, though. But um, Captain had to come on and... and Relax people just to let them know that it's just a harmless garter snake on the plane. Can you imagine the the terror? It's you know, this article makes it sound like it was crazy, but they're pulling up this as they were pulling up their feet, screaming. Um the airport, and this is something I didn't know. Um the air there's an animal control officers on at airports, and so the port authority police officers were at the gate when the plane arrived and they removed the snake. There's no injuries, no impact to airport operations and the plane later departed from Newark, New Jersey. So, so this is uh, new definitions of uh, snakes on a plane. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, um, I've flown, I have flown, um, several times and, uh, I can't imagine just, you know, you're so cramped on a plane already. I can't imagine a snake slithering by your feet, especially when you got to have to have your seatbelt buckled in at a certain time on the plane. And then that happens even regardless True. if it's a, a, a harmless snake, but I've always said the best snake there is, is a dead it's snake. A dead snake. <laughs> That's right. But the thing uh, is, see what you did there with your. S- <laughs> it, I don't know if I would have been so afraid. Usually, garden snakes are smaller, so I'm not sure if I mm-hmm. would have been a hundred percent like frightened to the max. I will say though, um, the other day, we have an unfinished basement. The other day I went downstairs, or actually my wife went downstairs to um, put the, uh, we have a dog room that's in the basement, and she went down, there was a snake in the middle of the floor, and I swear I thought it was a rattlesnake at first. I ended up calling um, like a animal control people, whatever. Mm-hmm. sent him pictures of it like it was like moving its tail all up in the air like it was like going to strike and sent him the pictures he was like oh no he was like other oh, all snakes really do that like shake their tail whatever he was like you'll see rattles if it's a rattlesnake even if it's a young juvenile they'll have rattles so it was just a rat snake however i did freak out end up throwing a bucket over top of it who got it out your your wife or i i did it i i put a bucket over it then i got one of those big old like just a massive piece of um like paper construction paper yeah and slid it underneath to where it would be on top of the paper and under Mm -hmm. the bucket and then did the whole flipperoony thing on it and then got it inside the bucket was it hissing and going crazy no, I mean it, it was young. It it didn't really 
it didn't really do much. It was more afraid. And then I let it outside. To I walked away from my house quite a ways. <laughs> like a half a mile. <laughs> yeah. And then just let it go out of the bucket. Um, but that was a fun snake experience. But see, that that was totally, I guess, maybe, I don't know. Because in my, ba- I was never expecting it to be in the basement. But I guess the winter, like with the winter, uh, they're mm-hmm. trying to get yeah. in, trying to find a place, a warm place. I found that there was a little, like a little crack in our foundation, like uh, whatever, in the mm-hmm. basement. Sealed it up. However... I understand, I guess, because that freaked me out. So if I would have on a plane where I wasn't expecting it, just like I wasn't expecting it in the basement, right. I would have, I probably would have freaked out. Have you had any mice down there? <sighs> so funny thing is, is all within a, a week span, we had the snake in the basement and then we had mice in our kitchen cabinets upstairs. Oh, so they weren't, no. They weren't in the basement. They were in the kitchen cabinets. Oh, no. And I'm 100% sure that it was the same little hole that I found um, that was in the basement as how they got into, like, up there as well. Um, Have you called the exterminator yet? No, I, I did that all myself. I put some traps out and... And disposed of them humanely. <laughs> as humanely as a mouse trap does. <laughs> a little peanut butter on the mouse trap. Um, At least it went eaten. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing is, is I, I, I put them in like because we have a candy drawer that's upstairs, and Jess had pulled a drawer out the drawer open. How we figured out that they were in there is. She pulled the drawer open and like there was candy wrappers all like chewed through. Oh. Like there was candy all like like it looked like I mean like mice had gotten into the right. candy drawer. Like um and like she could see like droppings and stuff like that. And she was like, Oh, oh my gosh. And she like brought me over there and she was like, No, I think this is mice, whatever, whatever. And I looked and I was like, Ah, oh, yeah, I think that is. You know, it's a hundred percent mice droppings for sure. So we got a trap. I put it in that drawer because I was like, well, I'm not going to clean the drawer out. I'm just going to keep all that there and put the mm-hmm. trap in the middle of all that, like snacks, basically. And Jess was like, you got to make sure that you check that every morning and every night because I'm not going to open that drawer. I'm not going to do any. I'm not going to touch that drawer. So for a week, I, I kept. I Actually, at the first night, we got one. Disposed of it, whatever, put another trap in the same drawer and then like two nights later we got another Mm. and then like three nights later we got the last or one was yeah i don't want to go into detail there was some bait there was some babies (sighs) do you think you have any do you you think you have any more i don't think so i think i think i think we're good now we're in the clear i've had the honestly i've had the trap in there for two weeks now just to make sure like we're Mm -hmm. still solid and there's been nothing and oh. I also got those, I also got those little, um, you plug them into the socket and they have like a little blue ring light and they're supposed to make this whatever yes. noise. Mm-hmm. I plugged the, I put a few of those around the house as well, just to make yeah. sure. I would have them in every outlet. Them. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, we have, if you have 20 outlets, you're going to have 20 far. of them. <laughs> yeah. There's a Creek that's not far from our house. Like literally behind our next door neighbor's house so that's where like the snake ended up coming from and then of course like these mice they're like i don't do mice i don't do mice we used to i know we got to get into this interview but we used to live uh not far from chris my uh, my wife and i in a town called shepherdsville and um we had a mice problem but we were on the second floor so i have no idea but they made their way up there, but they came in our bathroom. And so we would always leave traps behind the toilet seat. And, oh my uh, gosh, cause that's where they would be. And they would, they would like lay their turds and stuff. <laughs> Droppings, I guess is the technical word. Yeah. <laughs> but they would, they would have, there'd be mice, mice droppings behind the toilet. And so in the middle of the night or, you know, not middle of the night, but we'd be laying in bed and all of a sudden we'd hear snap. 
Snap. <laughs> then Lindsay goes, I'm not going in there to use the restroom. And so you go in there and take care of that. Oh <laughs> so my gosh. This happened for like a month. We'd get a, you know, one or two every, you know, every week. And so they finally stopped, but it was in the wintertime. And I don't miss that at all. We uh, recently sat down with Matt Redman, and like we said in the intro, he has written so many great worship songs, and uh, best of all, he has the best accent in the world, and he's from England, so it was really cool to chat with Matt, and uh, hear the heart behind a lot of his, legend, exactly, and hear uh, the heart behind a lot of his amazing songs, check this interview out. Well, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time and, and joining us this evening. Pleasure. So let's go ahead and get just right into it. Um, how did you get your start in the music industry? Well, it's funny you say like with the word industry because I'm from England. Yeah, there wasn't even much of an industry, and I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't very industry minded. Honestly, I just was really focused on church serving at my local church but i was at a really cool little spot where um there was a lot happening around the church and we had some conferences and different things so i got encouraged early on in life to get leading music there and then writing music there and then because there was all this activity happening there was a lot of ways for me to get plugged in but i honestly started writing these worship songs because I needed to. I I wasn't writing them for a record. I wasn't writing them even, oh, I want to be up the front. I definitely didn't want to be up the front at church. At first it was just, I'd had a really turbulent upbringing, lost my dad when I was seven years old and then had a lot of tough time through the teen years with the, you know, abusive stepfather and different things. And it was, the songs was my, were my way of, um, stabilizing myself honestly like the songwriting so i was writing nothing to do with industry not even actually to do with worship reading it was just because i needed to write songs yeah was there anybody that you were listening to or were you even aware of you know christian music uh you know at the time was there someone that you were drawn to or were you just kind of coming up with it on your own you know There, there was uh there was this series of vineyard worship music uh things called touching the father's heart and i think the first three of those might have been called like jesus holy anointed one we exalt your name and what's the other one but the first oh unto the king and the first three in that series just blew me away and there was a guy called kevin prosh who came up pretty quick after that also through the vineyard but and then um it wasn't too far into my teens that I met Martin Smith, pre-delirious, mm-hmm. pre-cutting edge. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was kind of starting his thing around the same time I was writing songs. He was a few years older than me. He was way more musically and technically advanced than me, still is. And But he he produced my first couple of records, and he, he was a really great voice in the mix too. So I had, I had some good stuff to feed on for sure. So who would who was encouraging you? Were you you know you said you were encouraged by somebody? Who yeah. were those people in your life that were that were saying, "Hey, you know, you should"? Were they just saying, "Hey, you're good at music," or you should you should lead worship? Who were those uh, people that were? Yeah, well, I was in a church. Where, I was in a church where young people really got encouraged to step up mm-hmm. and step into gifts and also to lead. And yeah. so we'd send out teams all over the place, and I ended up worship leading on some of these things and. It was kind of a great environment. When you were, I don't know what age it changes, but when you were like 16, 15, I don't know, you you can get away with a lot, right? So yeah. So if you lead worship, if it goes great, everyone's like, oh, wow, this guy's only 16. How beautiful he's leading. If it goes badly, they blame the person who put you in that role. They're like, you shouldn't put a 16-year-old in there. Yeah. So there's, there's some kind of golden years there where you don't get much consequence for bad worship leading and you get a lot of encouragement when it goes well. And that was kind of how it was happening for me. And we had this um, kind of teen youth movement based around worship and encountering God, which was called Soul Survivor. And it was growing. It started 3,000 people the first year, which especially in the UK is like, you know, just 
a sense of God's momentum around the thing. And it grew and grew to, you know, 20, 30,000 uh, young people. And I, and I was blessed to be in the mix with that thing right from the beginning. And honestly, that was another great reason to write songs because mm. we had these thousands of youth and these teens just gathering together. And it, But it felt like the existing songs we had didn't all quite fit. Uh, sure. the moment it felt like we needed a vocabulary that was gonna really match uh, where these young guys were at and where honestly I mean I say young guys I was still probably 17 at the time mm. and so that was another great reason to get songwriting and that's where a lot of the songs came from so Matt your 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 new single son of suffering um, we're, we're fans uh, it's a powerful song would oh, you thanks, would man. you be willing to share the story behind that and how that came together? I thought you were going to say, would you be willing to sing it a cappella right now? Would you be willing <laughs> right now on the yeah. spot? Yeah, yeah I w- uh, for sure. So I had a thought for a while. Uh, I was thinking about the phrase blood, sweat, and tears. I was thinking about Jesus. You know, one amazing sign of his humanity you know, he was fully man, fully God, but one sign of his humanity was that he he bled and he wept and also he sweated. I was thinking about the sweating. I was thinking about when he's turning over the, the tables in the, in the temple. And I honestly tried four or five times over a couple of years to write this song. Just was getting a little confusing. And then I was on this writing camp one day and I was just walking down the corridor, the hallway, and maybe you say, I don't know. And I, and I realized... If I drop that sweat bit, this is a whole lot easier. <laughs> like the sweat thing is the thing that's making this really hard. And so I thought, what about if it's just blood and tears? And then it could be actually a song about how God knows what it is to suffer. He was called a, a man of sorrows, one who was acquainted with grief and mm. familiar with suffering. And it's really just a, becomes a song about, yes, about the cross, but also how God is... Um, how God shows solidarity with our suffering. He knows what it is to live this life and he knows what it is to live in some extreme pain and suffering and sorrow. And um, so it became, that became like a real focus moment for the song. And then I got in a room with uh, these other guys. It was David Funk and Nate Moore and Aaron Moses um, and had a nice little chat. Hadn't even met a couple of them before. And then, this song kind of came to life in about 90 minutes. It was actually a beautiful moment. Wow. And it's That's really awesome. just, a, you know, like a you're always trying to find fresh ways in to sing about age-old truth. There's yeah. um, The way I heard it is that the best songs sometimes are a universal truth expressed in a unique way. So you've got these universal truths. We've got these truths about who Jesus is, uh, his nature, you know, his deeds through history what he did while he lived on the earth we've got all this stuff to write about so much content but you're always trying to find a fresh way in and for me the blood and tears idea was like a fresh way in to um sing about something age-old truth mm. still just missing those te- uh, the sweat yeah <laughs> yeah the sweat. that's the next song <laughs> that's, that's the, the song next song just oh, yeah. about sweat right just yeah. about sweat yeah you know but it was actually a lesson for me because i Sometimes you can try and be too clever or something and you just end yeah. up writing a song that just sounds clever but not like emotive or, um, you know, it's really interesting sometimes when I'm writing with other people. Um, I learn so much about how to, like, simplify the idea and get the idea, okay, it's, it's great, but an example would be the song Our God, which I wrote with um, Jonas Meyer and Chris Tomlin and mm-hmm. a guy called Jesse Reeves. So... That song, Jonas and I had that thing going. It was pretty way down the, pretty far down the track, and it sat on my computer for like nine months. Mm. And it was only when we got it with Tomlin, he was like, well, "It's too complicated. You need to simplify that bit. What the heck is that chord? You know?" <laughs> and he's really good at like focusing it. Like, let's think about the average person. You know, mm. what are they going to grab onto? What are they going to be able to sing? Does every line make sense? He's really good at helping it get that kind of universal thing. Okay. And so I think that's sometimes like that where, uh, and and the key thing is in these moments, not being precious about stuff. You know, sometimes we can 
treat our song like it's our little baby and it's like, oh, don't let anyone touch anything. And you learn with the co-writing thing. Actually, you have to embrace someone else coming in and saying, you know, what you could do, why don't we chop that bit out? Or this bit's the the hero of the song. That bit, you know, that's not really hitting me as hard. And that, But that might be your favorite part. And so, so and sometimes you ask around a bit, like, what do you think? But if the consensus is, yeah, this bit's not really working, even if it's precious to you. And so it's it's a journey, isn't it? Learning how to get these things ready for people's hearts. And and that was a that was a good one for me because I went around for two years in circles until yeah. cut the sweaty stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, you've written so many worship songs that have become staples in the church. And uh, I told my brothers before we got on tonight, I said, I really want to know the story behind one of my favorite worship songs that is by you. And it's The Heart of Worship. And uh, oh. The Heart of Worship is such a, a, a passionate song, a cry. And, uh, you know, it's still relevant and it'll be relevant for many years to come. So could you tell us and our listeners the story behind the heart of worship? Yeah, man. Thank you. Um, I mean, the thing with me is I'm, I write my heart out, but I'm not very good sometimes at telling which songs are good or which songs will connect. In fact, I'm hopeless at it. Like unbelievably bad considering I've been doing this for a lot of years. Um, one example would be Tim Hughes' Here I Am to Worship. I was in the same church as Tim. He played me that song. I think my exact words were, yeah, it's quite good. It's not as good as some of your others. Yeah. <laughs> and based on that, he put it away for like six months, didn't do anything with it. And then when he did finally started leading it, about a year later, it was the most sung worship song in the world. I've done that a lot and I do it with my own songs, 10,000 Reasons I Wasn't Going to Put on the Album. I didn't think it was finished. Mm. And Heart of Worship is one where I thought it was just this little personal thing between me and God. I, I didn't think it was a congregational song. There, there was no way I was going to lead it. Um, but talking with the pastor, decided, oh, yeah, let's just lead it once. You know, it kind of marks the moment. And, what, and the moment that it marked in our church was... Um, I think the leadership felt like we we're just going through the motions. You know, we got this um, heart for worship in our church, but we lost our direction a little bit, and it's become a little bit of a consumer activity. So we're, you know, marking the worship leader out of 10, or this is my favorite song, I don't like that song, it's too loud, it's too quiet, all the stuff people do, right? And we'd kind of forgotten in the mix of it, oh, yeah, we're actually meant to be bringing an offering. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, the leadership did a pretty full-on things. Like, we're going to take down the sound system. We're going to take all the instruments away. Next week, just come with your voice, your Bible, your heart. And let's just check we can still find our way to bring God an offering. And so the point being that when you come through the doors of the building next Sunday, what are you going to bring? And it was a great lesson. It was a painful one at first. Honestly, I was like, am I fired? You know, like, <laughs> what what's my role now? But actually... It became this beautiful little season for a good few weeks. And slowly but surely and really powerfully, we found our way back to the heart of worship, you know. And and uh, so the song literally describes the scenario of what happened in our church. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth, that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself, it's not what you have required. You search much deeper within, uh, you know, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. So like I say, that was this thing. I didn't even think it was congregational, but when we started leading it, I feel like even though people didn't do the same thing we did in our church, I think it just resonated because the Holy Spirit was speaking the same thing to so many people like, hey, let's remember what this is about. Let's remember who it's for, who it's about. So uh, I know we sang it uh I remember in in youth group growing up uh, singing that yeah. song. So we 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 definitely uh, were blessed by it for sure. And and Matt, you had we, mentioned. I'm sorry. I was going to say we actually have a new version of it coming out. I have a new record releasing in February, and the last song will be uh, a new version of Heart of Worship. Uh, actually, so yeah. I will awesome. say, Matt, your version that you recently did with Michael W. Smith 
was oh, yeah. beautiful too with the orchestra. Oh, thanks, man. Really, Thank you. Really loved that one. That was a beautiful moment. Uh, well, you had mentioned 10,000 Reasons, and uh, I was talking with my brothers here ahead a little bit ago, and I was thinking, I wonder if Matt feels competition because, you know, he wrote 10,000 Reasons, and then Hillsong comes out with 100 billion yeah. uh, times. Are you? Do you feel pressure to write a song about infinity now? Like, are we going to one-up them now? You know, like, I researched like, this. Game. Apparently the largest number in the world's the name of it is Graham. Uh, well, there you go. sounds weird but that's what google says so i'm gonna work write a word with a song with graham in it we got it you gotta can't kinda... and it's there's unbeatable there you go yeah there you yeah. go we got we got a one up we've got cool. we got you know a thousand hallelujahs i mean yeah. the problem is you have to sing that 10 times to get to ten thousand. so <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you got to send ten thousand reasons a lot to get to a hundred billion you gotta sing a lot yes yeah, <laughs> you probably have uh, well <laughs> yeah actually i'd be getting up there yeah. yeah so we always like to get our listeners involved especially when we're interviewing someone uh that we have a lot of fans of and so uh, we had one of our listeners jeff uh from san antonio he wanted to ask you about a specific song you wrote uh he's a fan of never once uh, and oh, he'd yeah. like to know the story behind that uh i know i've enjoyed it's one of my favorite songs to lead uh whenever i'm asked oh, wow. to lead worship so uh, would you be willing to share the story behind that with us? Yes, absolutely. Um, so I wrote that with a couple of guys, Jason Ingram and a guy called Tim Wanstall. Tim was in one of my favorite UK bands called Athlete. A uh, real great, like, kind of cold play with some quirky Britishness too. Mm. And um, great band. And so he, would, he he now and again sends me melodic stuff, which is great song starting material and that and that was what happened with this um song the verses that he just sent me that like a little piano piece no singing or anything and i was like man i love that and then um one day um we had been in atlanta for two years helping plant the church and we moved back to england we were in a spit. There's just some things that weren't falling into place and some things that really needed an answer. But it felt like it was going on so long. I was like, Lord, you know, what's going on here? And um, we had a house that still hadn't sold. Our house still hadn't sold in, in America, but we were living back in England. And I was in the empty house in, in America one day and no furniture, just me. And I, I just started thinking, Lord, this is just going on too long, what's going on? And then I decided, just made a conscious effort, I'm going to just think about your faithfulness. I'm going to think about your track record. Because I don't know what the answer is right now, but I do know, based on the evidence of what's happened so far in my life, that you're not going to let me down. And so, because I want to worship you, and because it's good for me to do it, I'm just going to recount some of that stuff and, you know, stand on that mountaintop, look back at all where I've come so far and just remind myself how faithful you are and worship you and trust you. And then um, took the idea to Jason and he's brilliant, you know, especially like helped the chorus come to life. And um, yeah, so it's definitely wasn't like just this, oh, I've got an idea. Why don't I write a song about faithfulness? It came from a very real situation mm. uh, in my life and just, what I said at the beginning of this interview, sometimes you need to sing something. It happened for us with the song called You Never Let Go as well. I wrote with my wife, Beth, and mm -hmm. we'd had such a tough week. We had a friend in the hospital who thought was was going to die. Um, we actually had a miscarriage that she had a miscarriage that week. And at the same time, there was this London bombing, which had happened, which was mm -hmm. rocking a lot of people in the UK. And and it was just one of those moments where I thought, I I need to sing truth right now. I need to sing mm -hmm. something um, that, you know, that's going to be a worship song, yes, but also helpful to my own song. And I found like a long time ago that the throne room of God, yeah, it's a place of reverence, but it's also a place of refuge. And it's the one place that doesn't shake, the one place which when the whole world it seems to be shaking and breaking apart, the throne room of God is completely stable and mm -hmm. it's a good place to hang out. And, and so it's kind of what's happened with a lot of songs, but that never once one particularly. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, yeah. Mate. So with worship music, how it 
really started like CCM really started taking off in the early nineties with like Sonic Flood, Delirious, Michael W. Smith, and of course yeah. yourself. Um, and now we have Hillsong United and Mav City and so on. Yeah. Um, so how has the culture changed over the years and what direction do you see it going? Great question. Um, I mean, I think there's several layers that I could answer that on. I mean, one is seeing a lot of progress and movement forward in production and mm -hmm. creativity. And there's um, different stylistic approaches. I feel like we've had some good movement in that area. Um, the area where we really need to see movements more in the lyrical depth. Mm -hmm. And I feel like people are taking it more seriously than ever. And that's great news. But we, we're entrusted with something so sacred. You know, you're painting a picture of who God is. Mm -hmm. So you can't take that lightly. You can't make up stuff. Also, you can't, you've got to try and not leave stuff out. And yeah. you've also got to try and do it in a way that is imaginative, creative, relevant, um, but also remaining biblical. So it's a tall order, you know. It's a kind of a, a – it can be a tough thing to do. Um, so, you know, I think that that's the area where probably we need to see a lot. And I guess the other thing that has changed is the world has changed. So when I started writing worship music, there was no such thing as social media, really. Or right. there wasn't. And then yeah. – so that meant um, – there's some great things about social media, but there's also some challenges with it, right? And one of the things is the enticement to show off, you know, or to make much of yourself or to self-celebrate and, or, to, you know, that classic only showing the highlights of who you are thing. And the thing is a stage already does that. Um, so we're already contending with that. You know, when I'm on a stage doing worship, people see me doing what I do probably the best gift I have. I don't have any other gifts that are, that are better than that. I don't know if I have any other gifts actually, but, and then, you know, but they don't see the rows, you know, at home or the, the moment where you weren't a very, um, I don't know, patient father or something, or where you weren't a very faithful friend or, so, you know, they, yeah. you, I'm trying to do well off the stage, but you get the point. It's like yeah. when you see me on the stage, you're seeing the best I've got to give and you're not seeing anything else. And then what happens with social media, that's an extension of that. And it's almost magnifying that, right? So we're living in this time now where worship leaders have to figure out how do I have a biblical kingdom of God stance in 2022 in this, in this world where there's so many new things to navigate. And I think that might be the, honestly, the biggest area the biggest problem is this stuff doesn't get called out very often online. It doesn't get called out in the same way it would in the real world. So for example, if I came into church and before I got up to lead the first song, I was like, Hey guys, lovely to see you here today. Just want to let you know that my song that we're about to sing is the song we sung most at church, more than all the other worship leader songs this month. And, you know, I just wanted to let you know that you, you would lose your job. Right. And you would be straight in the pastor's office like, what are you doing, you jerk? And then yeah. but you can do that. You can actually do that on social media and no one cares. You know, no one's going to pull you down for it. And that's kind of weird. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's a heavy answer. But I think some of the thing that's changed is the world we're living in. And we've really got to figure out how to keep each other accountable, how to call each other higher and how to just live with biblical heart values in this in this day and age yeah no, that's a great answer yeah that's and i and and it's the are, do you see yourself having an opportunity to to pour into the up-and-coming artists and do you see yourself as a i don't know like a kind of an elder i mean obviously been doing it for a little bit not to make you feel old yeah. <laughs> whoa, he just whoa he just called you an elder an no, elder no, i mean whoa, <laughs> whoa. no i, I was I just mean. hearing he, he, I elder redmond come on very wise you're very what no. very uh, wise uh, well like okay like i i guess what i'm going my to kids call of, me old every day you don't need to worry you know i'm i always tell people i'm 35 but i have four kids so i'm really like 55 you know, uh, yeah, man. In bad years, I feel you. much older. 
I'm hearing but you. But yeah, just the, the – You know. Because we're in this stage where there's a lot – you know, like 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 we mentioned them. We mentioned uh, Hillsong, yeah. or we mentioned you know yourself, Michael W. Smith, Delirious Song. Like a lot of those guys, you know, are still here, still still involved, and and we have all yeah. the up and coming people, and and we see different uh, collab like collabs and stuff. Like I, yeah. I love um, uh, KB, his 10K of, <laughs> yeah. of 10, you know, like it's it's the kind of old meets new, or you know, or not old. Yeah. I'm using the word I love it, again, yeah. but you know. But it's yeah. the thing of, you know, you have Introducing. an opportunity. Yeah, kind of trying to kind of say, hey, uh, let's pursue the Lord together. And I've got some experience and some wisdom to that yeah. I can I can pass on to you. And you've you know, you've got a, a young heart and, you know, passion. I feel like those together. I feel. Yeah. I mean, firstly. I mean, there's a lot of elements that firstly, I love just getting in the room with people from different streams and also people who are different age to me and i and i definitely notice sometimes where that goes in the songwriting context is i'll come in with more of the content maybe i've mm-hmm. lyrics has always been my strongest suit really and i've always lent towards writing with people who are very strong melodically even if they have a lot of lyric input too and so what that looks like these days is if i'm in a room with someone 15 years younger than me i'm i'm not really even having melodic ideas very much. I kind of am, but I'm really trying to stand back a bit and see how they would interpret this melodically because Mm -hmm. you lean into their gift. But but then, yeah, like you say, there's moments where I feel like might have a little bit of wisdom from things that I've learned. Um, So I think it's like an iron sharpens iron thing. It's not all a one-way thing at all. Uh, You know, I I walk out of those rooms... um, feeling sharpened too but i whenever someone wants some input or wants a voice in their life yeah i i love to to be there for that and i and i actually do genuinely feel like have a you know some friends who've just been on a very fast ascent to you know some kind of prominent worship leading role or others who just are having to navigate things i never had to navigate in terms of attention or social media profile and so I actually really feel for some of these guys as well it's not an easy thing and I think yeah. um just do everything I can encourage them to stay connected stay open-hearted and accountable and you know um really the even just the thing of team is just so valuable like mm-hmm. whether that's local church or whether that's your band or whatever it is that just thing a lot of the people I've met who struggle the most, they're doing it Lone Ranger, you know, mm-hmm. and they, that's not, that's not uh, a lot of fun. I don't think, I think you, you, it's so good. Just have people you've done a lot of life with who are there to call you out, uh, you know, and be a voice in your life and encourage you, you know, just not just challenge you, but encourage you too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's the, it's the first Corinthians of, of songwriting where there's all the bo- pieces of the body of Christ and literally coming yeah. together to write a song or to encourage each other. And that, yeah, ministry. I love that. And, and to be honest, sometimes it's kind of cool being with um, someone who's in a really different environment to you. Like some of the songwriting sessions I've enjoyed the most, someone's in a completely different stream to me in the church, or maybe they're different age or, you know, just have a different musical approach. They're the, Sometimes something cool, like you mentioned KB. I mean, I got to do that with him at the Dove Awards. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of awesome because I thought, like, I don't belong in this <laughs> musical thing. But he's taken a song where that's not really, you know, his world. And we talked about it afterwards. And he says, you know why these two different things can come together uh, and there's no collision? Instead of collision, it's something great is because there's humility on both sides it happens in songwriting you you have to approach it thinking i don't have all the answers you have to approach it really wanting to hear what the other person has to say you have to approach it being willing to prefer their idea over yours at times and when you can do that instead of there being this kind of crash or collision actually it's this beautiful kind of yeah molding together thing when they're in especially with like christian writing there's always there's one goal at the end and it's to yeah. point people to Jesus. That's great. So literally no matter what type of yeah. 
idea or how you uh, have taken the approach or whatever, you're you're still one one main goal to to get. So it, it, that's yeah, really that's really good. So you stay on the same page because yeah, in the end of the day, you're go, you're fighting for the same yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, I love that. We could so always. Now, uh, we could always hear, uh, you know, a version of you singing KB's song, you know, can you yeah. go down some rap Well, you, you say that, but he was trying to get me to rap on that thing. I mean, he was 100%. And he, he probably asked me five or six times. He's like, look, just do, just do like four bars. And I was like, mate, I'm not going to do one bar. If I, it, like, I've got five kids, mate. They'll never be able to leave the house again, you know? Yeah, right. It, it, thinking about the he kids. was like, no, people will love it. I'll teach you. I, was, I said, I know what my lane is, and that's not my lane. <laughs> I'm staying in my lane. And, and uh, so that was pretty good. But I did, you mentioned the Michael W thing. I mean, that was kind of amazing to be on a stage with that fantastic orchestra and choir. I think mm. out of 100 people on the stage, I was the only one who didn't read music, but I kept that quiet. But, <laughs> but the thing is, it, within a few months of each other, to do a collab with KB and then something with Michael, which is orchestral, classical, I just felt so blessed. And actually, my heart really beats for that stuff to be, mm. you know, w- when I get to be in different streams of the church or different expressions of music, um, I love that so much. Yeah. yeah, it shows unity. You know, it's the, yeah. it's, it's, it, it goes back to, you know, the words of Jesus, the way that they'll know that you're my disciples the the yeah. what makes the world what validates you know the gospel to the world is when we love one another right it's the unity yeah. it's the 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 different streams the old with the new you know like the go into a church and you see some of the youth groups sitting next to the you know the people that have been at the church for you know 60 years it's the unity you know love in Christ and coming together that's awesome and well Matt we started with some pretty light softball questions but now we're going to get yeah. into the heavy stuff okay oh, yeah uh, we have a segment that we do we just ask you what your favorite thing is in a certain category and then you let us know now this can be divisive just just a heads up okay like okay we, we this is where if we have arguments it's here okay give me a heads <laughs> yeah. up. i'm ready i'm ready okay awesome it's awesome. not an anti anti-british segment is it no 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 we wouldn't do that uh, so, Matt, what would you say your favorite food is? Sushi. Ooh, good one. Okay, so far so good. Okay. <laughs> favorite movie? Ooh, Shadowlands about C.S. Lewis. Yes. Very emotional. Mm. All right. Um, your all-time or current favorite show to binge? Oh, Shark Tank. Yes. I love, I love yes. Shark Tank. <laughs> yes. I don't know why I love it so much. I shouldn't be bored of it by now. I've been watching it a long time. There's the always one... someone coming up with some crazy invention. Mr. Yeah. Wonder, Mr. Wonderful, man. He could be hard sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite artist of all time? Stevie Wonder. And you know, we get him a lot. A lot. We have a lot oh, of really? people say Stevie Wonder. Absolutely. No He's probably the most, the uh-huh. favorite artist of all the artists we ask. That no much. way. That's crazy. It's just the melodic thing, man. Yeah. It's just yeah. untouchable. Do you have a dream duet? Someone that you would love to sing with? Oh, that's a great question. I, I'm struggling to answer that. I mean... It'll just be all the classics. It has to be Bono, right? I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I just... King of the soundbite as well as anything else. I'd like to just, uh, you know, just hang out with that guy and learn some tips. I'll shoot him a text later. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've had some, you know, because I've been doing this a while, you get to do sure. fun stuff. And um, what probably my favourite moment being with another person was uh, like that was a guy called George Beverly Shea who did all the music oh, for yeah. Billy Graham mm-hmm. Crusades. Oh, yeah. and, you know, he, so when I first signed with uh, what would, would have been EMI Christian back then, I was the youngest person on the label and he was the oldest. So they got us together and we sat at the piano and sang. And it was, that was That's awesome. All right. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Mint chocolate chip. 
Uh, do you have a favorite podcast, Matt? Redman and Riddle. Do you have a second favorite podcast? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was kidding. Uh, there's one. There's a UK one that you wouldn't have listened to. It's called the Red. The rest is politics. It's a it's a uh, politics one. Yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I like that. Do you have a third? <laughs> oh, you're you're trying to send me Christian music, guys. Uh, there we go. I mean, if you keep going, if you get down like 89th or something, we probably yeah, early 90s. There we are. There we Matt are. Matt was like, I get Matt was probably thinking, okay, I guess you don't like that one. <laughs> no, I thought well, the first one. I thought because because it was my own one. I was a no, joke. no. Then the second well, we one were, thought, but, or maybe they just think they don't want to listen to anything about British politics, and then, <laughs> and then, then I realized, I realized where this is going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> listen, you were the one that was asking got, if this was going to be divisive, and you brought up British politics, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and do you have a favorite go-to Bible verse? Zephaniah. 317 uh, the Lord your God is uh, rejoicing over you with singing you know it's an amazing thought to me we think we're doing all the singing and he started that too you yeah, know we love idea. him because he loves us first and we're singing to him because he's sang over us first I love that mm, absolutely that's awesome so Matt what's next for you what do you have coming up and how can our listeners be keeping up with what's going on with you yeah I'm not traveling much um we're living out in southern california uh having a good time serving god here and and we've just recorded a a new live record which will be uh 11 new songs and um it actually recorded somewhere really beautiful it's called the mission in um san juan capistrano out here it's like uh close to 250 years old and in fact, the chapel there is the oldest standing building in the whole of California, and the mission itself is the birthplace, really, of what we would call Orange County today. It's just a beautiful place, so it was amazing to get to record and worship there. And um, a few guests on there, Matt Meyer, David Funk. Um, really pleased with the songs, and I hope hope it really connects. We've had Son of Suffering release, then we've got few other songs on the way yeah. and around about february the rest of the projects will arrive hmm. awesome awesome well to, to wrap up we'd just like to see if you'd be willing to share something that god has been doing maybe even recently in your life that would help build our listeners faith up yeah okay that's good um maybe i don't know how many people out there are leaders or worship leaders or on a stage of some kind at times but I've been thinking about um, how important it is that we really get our security and our well-being and worth from the Father's voice and not from other people's voices and you know it's an obvious thing to say but it can be in the moment um, you know someone over compliments you or see the thing is if you're just if you're making coffee at the church or if you're doing something behind the scenes you're not often going to get feedback on what you're doing but if you're up the front of the church you're always going to get feedback and if you're in music you're probably going to get even more feedback and maybe even especially with worship stuff it seems to connect with people on a deep level right so the danger would be that you're really getting too much encouragement at times rather than not getting enough and just so just that encouragement to listen to the father's voice and get what you need from his voice you know i've been thinking about you know you've got um appreciation you've got admiration and you've got adulation and you know some of us will just deal with uh appreciation that's not too hard to deal with you know it's then it'll become admiration some people you'll be dealing with that you know the leading and then i and then even more dangerous, and this does happen to a lot of worship leaders these days, adulation. And like, how are you going to deal with that? How are you going to make sure you don't feed on that as part of your identity? Um, how are you going to make sure that you just stay in this as a child of the king and that's enough for you? Um, so, yeah, that's something I've been thinking about a lot and really just want to um, honor God as fully as I can in that area. 
So what do you think are some practical ways that you maybe um, just keep yourself like accountable in that way? Um, I think that just sometimes a lot of it is to do with having like making sure you take that time to to bow down and remember who you are, who you're not, who he is. You know, it literally can be just a practical thing of having a review at the end of the day. I quite often do that, especially if I've been at a real exciting event. You know, everything about it, your adrenaline's up because it's an exciting event. You know, you're seeing a great, you've got a great bird's eye view of what God's doing and you're seeing all these people in worship. Then afterwards, a lot of people are showering you with maybe over-encouraging words. And then you've got to figure out what to do with that. And it's literally like maybe just take five minutes or two minutes before you go to bed get on your knees even that posture is a great way of reminding yourself of, of something important here and just bowing down like lord was there anything offensive in me today like it says in the psalm you know search me oh god know my thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me and sometimes the holy spirit will bring to mind yeah you when that person said that to you you really liked that didn't you you fed on yeah. that and you just repent of it lord i remember who this is about i remember who it's not about i remember i don't own this stuff i'm just carrying it for you like this is an entrustment yeah. from the king and i'm just want to carry this well and give it back to you and yeah. so literally just a tiny little practical thing of having that review moment and honestly be ruthless that's what i'd say to any young worship leader who's listening as well or leader be ruthless with your heart ask the holy spirit to search you like don't you know don't don't even the little thoughts, even the little bits of pride or envy or um, whatever these the different challenges are, like deal with it quickly and get rid of it. Be ruthless with your heart because there's too much at stake. There's a guy, one leader years ago, he said the real challenge in these days will not be in the writing and producing of new and great worship music. The real challenge will be in the godliness and the character of those who deliver it. And I think that's so true. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. And uh, Son of Suffering Pleasure. is out. It's available now. And uh, you have a new album coming out in February. We're really looking forward to that. And uh, I think Thanks, you man. should call KB up and uh, ask him to do yeah. some bars. <laughs> tell, him, tell him you'll do those bars. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, thanks, right. guys. It's lovely to talk with you. I love, I love that your three brothers doing this. That is an awesome vibe. Yeah. That's just—it's a beautiful thing that you're sharing this adventure together. We certainly enjoy it. Well, thanks for listening, and thanks again, Matt, for your time. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. Check us out on social media, as well as our website, ChristianMusicGuys.com. There you can find out how you can become a part of our team financially. Thank you.